Hey guys, this is our weekly podcast by Cornerstone Church of Ione. We're so glad that you decided to join. We are a church family passionate about seeing people worship Jesus, grow in their faith, and serve those around them. If you would like to learn more about Cornerstone, please visit us at cornerstoneione.org, or you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Yesterday, I was able to spend a little time eating food with uh, Paul here and hearing about uh, the ministry and how God's using him. It's very exciting. And so uh, this here, one of our missionaries, Paul Lehman. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I'm trying to get all this technical stuff that Brian has hooked me up with, um, this speaker thing and the recording um, um, and this thing, um, last service, I turned it around and couldn't figure out why is it going backwards? Um, and it's like arrow up and down. <laughs> yeah. If you would, um, after the service, want to get our prayer card, I put them out there on the table. Um, it has on the back our updated contact information and um way to give toward our ministry, they're, they're out there. Um, my beloved wife, please stand and <laughs> greet Marie. Um, I am not um, a one-man show. It is a team effort. We have been missionaries in the country of Pakistan, up here in the capital city, Islamabad or Ralpindi. They're twin cities. One street divides this city from that city. In the early days, our ministry was to the people from Afghanistan. Um, so because of the Russian invasion, they came out of um, Afghanistan to Pakistan, three million people came out. Many of them were along the border here um, in refugee camps. Those more educated and had means came to the city, um, Lahore, Islamabad, Karachi. And that's where we met a bunch of people and met, met a felt need of teaching English as a second language. They didn't want to stay in Pakistan. It was a transitional place, and they wanted to go west and considered um, English as an international language, which it is. And we met that need, but through connecting with them in the ESL, we also did discipleship, evangelism, discipleship, and also the Lord raised up several different Afghan fellowships. Marie and I worked with one that almost totally spoke um, their national language, Dari, um, during the, the service. And so we did that from 1991 to 2004, in the two, uh, beginning of 2005, and then switched ministry to the Bible school and began teaching at Zarephath Bible Seminary Institute, used to be, they've changed the name to 
Zarephath Bible Seminary, and there taught missions and spiritual formation uh, classes. That has been really my, my focus, which is really quite cool if you think about it, um, motivating people to live the truth and then spread the, the truth of the gospel. Um, at the bachelor's level, I don't speak Pakistani language, I speak the Afghan language, so at the bachelor's level, I need a translator. Robinson and others were my translator. And then at the um, MDiv level, the master's level, it's a English medium program. Then in 2016, a major life event happened. Um, I was going to the Bible school, loving what I was doing, hoping that I would continue doing this until retirement at uh, 70, and we got a visa refusal. And from that, let me drop this thing so I'm not... Um, from that refusal, we weren't able to um, go back to Pakistan. When we... Well, we appealed, but as soon as you left, which we left in uh, June of 2016, we couldn't get back in. A year later, despite a, an appeal, they, they refused our visa, and we had to find another field. Our field leadership said, go find another place to serve. Um, and at that time, um, our church and other Christian organizations and people from the Salem community were working cooperatively together and started the ministry Salem, or the work, Salem for Refugees. Um, Marie felt it was a no-brainer with Pakistanis coming, Afghans coming, um, Iranians, and then from the Muslim world. And so it's like, and I accepted her wisdom and went that direction. Um, so halftime, my job is uh, working for Salem for Refugees and the other half uh, teaching at the Bible school that I was teaching at via Skype or um, Zoom. The couple who started this ministry, Doug and Anya Hokum, had been missionaries for a short period of time, but because of educational issues, they had to come back to the States, and they started this ministry. And th these are a couple of the pillars of our ministry, that Jesus has commanded us to love our neighbors, to care for the least of these, um, and then to disciple the nations. And the nations have come to America. Um, do you realize down there, Elk Grove is one of the most multicultural places in the entire, um, probably, planet, um, as they have huge, um, just south of Sacramento, um, huge number of um, immigrants from all over the world. So the nations have come to us, and what are we going to uh, do about it? 
Um, a refugee is a person who has fled their country because of um, conflict, violence, natural disaster, or persecution is a big reason that the UN is looking at for, because of their race, religion, nationality, political stance, or association with a particular social group. And these refugees have to, before the UN, kind of prove um, that they fit this category and have concrete evidence as to the reason why they, they must flee their, their country and seek refuge somewhere else. And they are um, then, once accepted by the UN, then a country, US, Canada, some other place, says, I will accept whatever number. And then a refugee decides, do I want to go to that country or, or not? Um, and then, what do we do with refugees? It's just helping people settle into a very complex society. Um, the Department of Social Services is doing a whole great service. However, it is a complicated system. Um, this couple received papers, and it's like, I, I have a postgraduate degree. I didn't know what I, I didn't know what it meant. You are discontinued, you are continued. Do they have health care or don't they? Just give a simple little I had to call up and the lady said, Yeah, uh, that 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 we're getting a lot of what does that mean? Uh, they had services, but it had to be explained that this program stopped and that program started, but they, are, they have continuous ser service. They don't care. <laughs> um, so helping them with DHS, housing, education, um, medical stuff, citizenship. Um, now this couple's been here five years, helping them apply for it. Then they have to have enough English and written and writing and then they have to know a hundred, they could be asked a hundred questions on the history civics question about um, the US. I couldn't pass. <laughs> uh, I had back as a, a senior civics and I passed the test and easy come, easy go. Um, and I, I never have to Answer them again. Um, so I, I know now what, and I'm translating for them, and so I know what the Congress is now. Um, and then another family that we help. Um, another one of my involvement is with the International Prayer Fellowship that meets Sundays um, in our, the church we attend up in Salem, Oregon. And they have a meal, worship time, a scripture time, and then an extended prayer time. And this group really prayed for Marie when um, she had her, her major event. Um, we 
have had in a little over a year 160 Afghans who have come to Salem and Salem for Refugees has um, helped in the settlement of those. One of my jobs is a driver. I go up and the, the picture on the left, the lady in red there, has really become Marie's um, adopted daughter and that has a little baby, 19 years old, three month old, um, little baby, Mohammed. Um, and she goes regularly to visit uh, that lady. And then some of the other families are, are bigger. Sometimes the welcoming party is large, like the group on the, the right, and then others, um, depending on the time of night, it, it could be just me picking up with a caseworker. The other piece of our ministry is teaching at the Bible school, missions and spiritual formation classes. Another thing I have done this last year is help this gentleman on the right um, complete two different major papers so he could get his master's of theology. You know, in education, if you teach, you could teach bachelors only if you have a master's. You can only teach a master's if you have one step higher. So the, this is a master's of theology allows him to teach at the MDiv um, level. Um, our life-changing radical event beside losing the visa is February 13th, the day before Valentine, um, Marie had cardiac arrest and multiple strokes during that, that period while she's not breathing. They think she had multiple uh, strokes. Five days, um, they revived her, um, the fire guys did, and then five days in a coma, she came out of that, praise the Lord, and then 32 days learning to walk again. It was something, walking, seeing your wife learn to walk again and talk again, letters, sounds, uh, um, numbers. Um, and now she has graduated and is clearly on the road to recovery. She shops. <laughs> She's able to be um, pretty independent. Um, our son is now living at our house, our youngest, and so between her recovery and him being there, I made a trip to Pakistan and preached um, about 36 hours after I got off the plane, which my head was spinning, <laughs> um, and then taught a class on introduction to missions um, and through a translator, because this bachelor's level class, um, which was really fun to be back in, in Pakistan and found out we don't have, our name is not on a blacklist. And so um, I was able to apply for a tourist visa and, and be accepted. And to see students and others picking up the baton of reaching out to 
unreached peoples in Pakistan. It's estimated that Pakistan has something like 800 unreached people groups. Um, a lot of those language related, but um, yeah, it, it is a huge task. Um, and there's no way missionaries are going to do it. The church has to rise. The 1% of the population of Pakistan, 200 million, to see them take on the, the call to reach out to unreached peoples. And this couple and another student of mine, um, what we did in the 90s, they are now doing with those who have come to Afghanistan now. Um, my family, um, oldest son up there on the, the left, I, I only have three sons. Um, the two ladies on the outsides uh, are daughter-in-laws. Um, so Aaron's the oldest. Um, Esther is a medical doctor. He's financial aid at a Christian college. Uh, the youngest son, Alex, he's working for an organization with our church that's helping refugees settle, spare furniture, so giving them experience, work experience, and a work record in the States. And then um, Andrew, he prepares, air, he has, he works with a trainer of air traffic controllers, um, and he sets up scenarios for air traffic controllers. So, um, Esther is a medical doctor, and Melissa is a social worker at two different hospitals. And then, um, a year ago, year and a half ago, the Lord allowed us, because of my in-laws being very frugal, they saved, they gave us an inheritance, and with the inheritance, we were able to purchase this house for the first time. Um, yeah. So turn in your Bible to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 1 to 18 is a just kind of an introductory statement about Jesus, um, who he is. He is eternal. He has been with God through all of time. He is God. He's the creator. He, he is um, light. He is life. He has become flesh. Uh, we sing about that. Um, and... Um, he is full of grace and truth, um, and he is the one who has revealed the unseen God to us. How do we know about the unseen God? Through Jesus. Um, and then uh, verse 19 to the end of the chapter is four different people who have testified about Jesus. They have met Jesus, and then they give testimony regarding him. There's a couple of verses that are very clear that this job of testifying is not just 
for them, it's for you and me. Not just me as a missionary, it's for all believers. Um, Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It is who we are. We have seen something, we have experienced something, we, we have something, we have entered into knowing God, and out of that knowledge, we are to testify, we are to be witnesses of what we have experienced. And then we are ambassadors. We are in not our homeland. Heaven's our home. We're here to represent the king, our leader Jesus, and give his message in this world, the foreign country, foreign to us, of what Christ has done. And specifically, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, and the end of the verse, be reconciled to God. We are to carry this message of reconciliation that humanity has been alienated from God because of our sin, but through Christ, there has been reconciliation. There has been a restoration of friendship relationship with God through Christ. And you and I are the ones to carry that, that message. In these verses, um, we have kind of a pattern. Uh, the pat not we kind of have a pattern. There is a pattern. They, each of these had an encounter with uh, Jesus, and then they testified in, well, they, they did something. They um, had actions, and they had words. That... The problem with saying, I will simply, by my life, win people to Jesus. Yes, words must complement, um, I mean, actions must complement words. But if I'm at a street and I'm going... I'm making actions, but what does it mean? You need words. Oh, I have an emergency. Stop and help. Or I'm just crazy, folks. <laughs> and you don't know until I start opening my mouth what, what it all means. Our actions are important. They supplement our words. They agree, should agree with our words, but they don't do all the work. In the first um, person, John the Baptist, who testified, he, he had some telling people what he was not and then what he was. Verse 19. Now, this is John's testimony when the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. 
He did not fail to confess and confess freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. When we're in here in Pakistan, there's things that we need to say we are not. In Pakistan, we are not working for the U.S. government. We are not doing these things on behalf of the U.S. government. Um, we are not doing good works in order to earn merit before God. We're not good people piling up good deeds in order to get to heaven. One of the ways that the Lord's kind of put on my heart when people say, oh, you're such a good person. It's like, um, you know, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. And they will say, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we're all, well, that's what I need. I need a savior. I can't, through my good works, get to heaven. Um, one of the illustrations um, I use is if you have a glass and you add of water and you add one drop of poison and ask, will you drink it? Oh, no, no, no. Um, if you add more good works, how much good works would it take before you would drink it? Never. Um, well, we are offering God our good works, and he's saying, not good enough. I need absolute righteousness, 100%. Jesus gives me his 100% and fits me and allows me to go to heaven because of his good works, not because of, of mine. And then we need to tell them who we are. We don't deny that we are Christian workers. I don't tell Afghans that I'm a missionary because before my language teacher was a believer, he looked up missionary, crusader. And it's like, I am not a crusader. So I'm not going to use missionary to Afghans. Um, I am a Christian worker. I am a follower of, of Jesus. And then... Um, verse 29 to 34 in John. The next day, John saw, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit 
come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain, he is he who he is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. So John, he experienced, John has this um, verbal message or somehow communication from God that the person who is coming who will um, baptize with the Holy Spirit will be the one you're baptizing, and then the Spirit comes down and remains on him. Um, I don't know, have any of you had the ability to take a, put out your hand and a dove? <laughs> um, obviously, Jesus and creation had a wonderful union that that dove was not afraid to come down, representing the Spirit of God and John said, wow, he has this encounter with, while he's baptizing Jesus, he sees the Spirit of God descend on him. And then he has a test, he, he, he does something. He has a revelation of his own absolute unworthiness to be in this person's presence, to even touch his, his shoes. And then he has what does he say? He says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This isn't simply a lamb who forgives one person's sin. It is a universal. It is the whole world. It is not even just for Israel. Um, it's the, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the entire world. And then he is the son of God. The second person is, okay, this is where I messed it up. <laughs> uh, turn it over. <laughs> um, Andrew, verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following him and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Jesus replied, Come and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent the day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing that Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him, Peter, and said, you're Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which means, when translated, is Peter. 
Andrew, he hears the testimony of um, John the Baptist, and whoa, the Lamb of God. It grips him, and he starts to follow Jesus. Jesus turns around, what do you want? Um, where are you staying? Um, so he says, just come and see. And he spins about 10 o'clock to whatever, the end of the afternoon with Jesus. And that encounter, time, presence with Jesus, whoa, this is the Messiah. That encounter with Jesus caused him for his eyes to be open. The one we have been looking for, this is the fulfillment of that one. And then what does he do? He, first thing he does is to find his brother, um, Simon. Man, I, I just was with uh, this, this guy named Jesus, and I spent a day with him. I think this is the Messiah. Come with me, and he brought him to Jesus. Um, sometimes I think the first thing Andrew did is bring people to Jesus. We could have it almost flipped. The last thing we do is to bring people to Jesus. If we're sitting on a um, the best news of all humanity of a risen Christ who has delivered us from what our problem is for all eternity, sin and death and Satan, why? Well, my reasons, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to be awkward. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to, make them feel weird or I don't want to feel weird and I just go mute. Um, Andrew had this glorious news and he thought, man, I must tell my brother. And then um, he not only told him, he brought him, come on, Peter, come on, come on, let's go. And when Jesus sees um, Simon, it's a life-changing experience. He has a new name. He doesn't begin to immediately change, but over a period of time, Peter becomes what he was declared by Jesus. Then, um, so Andrew said, we have found the Messiah. That was his testimony. And then Philip um, Philip, in verse 23, 20, I mean, 43 and 44, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. So whether Jesus found Philip by the Jordan where John was or on the way back, it's not quite clear. Finding Philip, 
he said to Philip, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Um, something in that call of follow me greatly affected Philip. And then he went with uh, Jesus. He spent time again, and uh, we see what happened to Philip. What did he do? What did he say? Um, Philip um, found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can any good thing come from, from there? Nathanael answered, come and see, uh, Philip said. Um, Philip had an encounter with Jesus and then he realized Jesus is the one that the prophets had talked about, that Moses, that the prophets, he put it together and then he wanted to tell his friend. Now, how does the gospel spread? It is through you and I, our natural family relationships, friendship relationships, taking what we have and giving it away. Giving testimony of who Jesus is, what he's done for us. By the way, we are witnesses, so if it's a courtroom, all of us have watched movies of the person, the judge, and the witness, he comes up, and the witness, all his job is, what did you see, what did you hear, what did you smell, what did you taste, what was your experience? Um, he is not the lawyer convincing the jury of it. That's the work of the Spirit to do that job. It is simply tell what you've heard, seen. And that's our job, to be witnesses of what Jesus did to family, to friends. So how, um, yeah, I'll save that illustration. So Nathaniel is the last person, and he has this encounter with Jesus, um, Verse 36, I mean 46, uh, 47. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, so apparently before he even actually met him, in other words, he had never met Nathanael in his entire life, and yet he says, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. Nathaniel knows, I've never met you before, so how do you know me? And Jesus answered, Nathaniel, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. And Nathaniel has this reaction, 
Rabbi, teacher, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. This experience, this encounter in which Nathaniel feels kind of stripped bare. Whoa, this guy knows me. He knows what I was thinking, feeling, doing. Um, when I was a kid, an evangelist came um, to our place and um, he, he said, um, Jesus knew that Nathaniel was stealing figs under the fig tree. In other words, Nathaniel was not a man of truth. That was a sarcastic statement on Jesus' part. I don't think that's the, the true interpretation. We, we don't know what Nathaniel was thinking and doing, but somehow when Jesus goes on and says, you're going to see greater things, um, and then gives this picture of... Um, uh, of J um, Jacob having this vision of this ladder between heaven and, and earth, that's not a picture of a person um, who's stealing figs. Um, it's more almost a seeking after God. Lord, I, I'm, I'm after more. And Jesus says, I know you. I know who you are, that you're a true seeker of God. And Nathaniel's response is, what did he, um, what did he testify? You're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. How do you get Muslims who deny that Jesus is the son of God who deny that the word of God say that it's been changed. Jesus is only a prophet. He's not the son of God. He didn't die on the cross. He did not pay for man's sin. He did not rise again. How do you get people who deny major pillars of our faith to believe and declare Jesus is the son of God? For us, um, the main tool method is get people into the scripture. Um, some get people directly into John, um, but the problem is if you have no Bible background and you jump in to John 1, uh, 29, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, the Lamb of the sin of the world. But if you back up and lay the foundation of creation, of the fall of man, of um, Abraham offering a sacrifice up to, to God, of the Passover, you lay the foundation and then the sacrifices it makes sense, ah, the lamb that of Passover, the lamb that was commanded every year to be paid in order for the forgiveness of sin, um, and lay that foundation, and then get to the New Testament. 
aha, who's Jesus? Well, he's that lamb that was promised to come. I will provide a lamb in um, Genesis 20, 22 that God said to um, Abraham. Um, a couple of weeks ago, um, I was, I, I visited a guy, Ahmad Zai. He, he's, he's a real great guy. Um, and see him, Marie visits the lady down below um, in another apartment. And then I, I went up and, and visited him. He recently found out that there's a mosque in um, Salem. And he had been there for Friday prayers. I came later in the afternoon. And he said, um, wow, um, I, I have good news. I, I, I believe I have the truth. Wouldn't it make sense for me to share with you why you should become a Muslim? And he proceeded minimum half an hour plus trying to evangelize me as to why I should become a, a Muslim. Um, and I, I don't find that difficult. It's like, hmm, okay. And, and I'm trying to learn what they, their, their belief system is. Um, and that time, Marie gave me a call, so I had to leave. Two weeks later, I came back and shared with him. I was just talking, and he, after a little bit of chit-chat, said, why are you a Christian? Well, thank you very much. <laughs> and I laid out um, the illustration of the cup uh, to him. Ah, yeah, that, that is a problem and that Jesus paid for our, our sin. He didn't, at the end of it, say, oh, thank you, I will become a Christian. But it, connecting with people, and over time, even um, listening to them evangelize you, opens up the opportunity for them to then listen. And he very kindly listened to a whole presentation of, of the gospel. And now, Lord, give me further opportunities to share with him uh, your good news. In closing, a couple of questions. How are you helping people encounter Jesus? Bringing them to Jesus so they can know him. It, it's, it's not our arguments. It's them meeting Jesus, and we bring people to Jesus and then testify to who he is as best as we can what we have experienced, seen, and um, heard, and, and experienced of, of him. Thanks for your faithful support to us, and it's been good to be with you uh, this morning. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the word that became flesh and 
lived among us. You demonstrated the Father so much so that you, if you looked at you or looked at the Father, there would be no difference. Lord, help us in demonstrating you faithfully. May there not be this huge gap between who Jesus really is and what they see in us. Help us in bringing people to Jesus to encounter him, to know him, to have life in him. Use us, oh God, in your kingdom work for your glory. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Cornerstone Church of Ione. We hope that you found it encouraging and challenging. Please feel free to share this podcast with friends and family, and we will see you all next week.